Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, a short silent film called Rescued by Rover uh, from 1905 and uh, filmed in England. Indeed. Uh, this is a, a very simple narrative story um, coming uh, quite early in the history of narrative film, uh, which doesn't really start until the 20th century. Um, it, it begins with a, a shot of, uh, of a dog uh, lying down and a baby sitting, uh, leaning against him. Um, and they're happy. They look into the camera and then immediately we switch to uh, to a a nurse uh, pushing a uh, a carriage. Um, And the nurse is uh, uh, then stops and uh, uh, now she's pulling the I'm sorry, she's stopped by a beggar woman. And she gives, the, she gives the beggar woman nothing. Um, as she pushes the carriage away, the beggar woman raises her hand, you know, and waves her fist at her. So we get this wonderful dramatic irony because the nurse clearly hasn't seen the woman, but we see her. In the next shot, we have a huge hedge in the background. And there's a lane, of, a narrow lane visible through the hedge. We see the beggar woman uh, looking through the hedge as the nurse comes into the frame This time, for some strange reason, pulling the carriage. Mm -hmm. As she comes forward, uh, she meets someone who is dressed either as a soldier or a cop. Let's call him a soldier since that's what film histories call him. Um, And uh, they stop and you can see them flirting, the nurse and the the soldier. And he wants something. She turns and looks in the carriage, which is behind her because she's been pulling it by the handle instead of pushing it. It turns out she's looking for matches and she lights (laughs) his cigarette. And while she's she's flirting with him and vice versa and lighting his cigarette, the beggar woman comes through the lane in the hedge and kidnaps the baby. Um, amazing that somehow these two, uh, the nurse and the soldier, are so involved in each other that they don't hear the baby being kidnapped right exactly mm. behind them. But in fact, that's what we're supposed to believe happens. The beggar woman runs back through the lane in the hedge and with their arms around each other's waists – the nurse and uh, soldier continue walking down the path uh, with the nurse pulling the carriage still behind her without ever looking in the, to see, you know, how the baby's doing. The next shot shows the nurse coming distraught um, into uh, the mother. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my. And it, of course, the baby's been kidnapped. Um, the mother is comforting the, ba- uh, the nurse and Rover the dog that we saw in the opening shot is also there comforting the nurse. But as the mother continues to comfort the nurse, Rover jumps through the window. Um, now we get to see the, the beggar woman in her attic, uh, domicile, ugly bear. She takes all the clothing off or most of the clothing off the baby and puts the baby sitting down. And then she walks to the side and sits down on another, uh, chair and swills some kind of liquor. I suppose we're supposed to think it's gin, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of low-class slattern. Um, and then she lies down next to the baby. Rover goes running down the street, goes running down another street. 
shot after shot. He goes and swims across a brook. He then goes into clearly the poor part of town, the other side of the brook, and he pushes open one after another the door to each residence until he opens the door that lets him go into a building and come up and discover the baby and the beggar woman in the attic. The woman shoes him off. Rover runs out and we see the entire sequence backwards. Um, he goes back down the street, back across the brook, back to um, the two different streets. And now for the first time, when he leaps back into the window, we see him approach someone who probably is the father of the baby. Um, and who doesn't know why Rover is bothering him, but Rover keeps pestering him and then leaps up and pushes at the door of the room they're in. And finally, the guy gets the idea and follows Rover down the street. And so we go down the street yet again, a third time. Interestingly, when Rover runs alone, he runs down the middle of the street. When he runs with the man, he runs on the sidewalk to lead the man. Rover knows mm -hmm. when it's in, he's in the animal world and when he's in the human world. And he leads the guy to the attic. Um, the nurse, the, the beggar woman, tries to keep the, the man away, but he takes the baby. And he and Rover and the baby leave. And we see the beggar woman sort of looking, well, at least I still have these fine baby clothes. She shrugs a little, takes a little more to drink, and lies down. That's the last we see of her. Mm -hmm. Then instead of seeing the return to the home by going through all those sequence again, um, uh, they just bring us to the home, and there is uh, the father, the baby, and Rover coming in, and the mother sees them, and the four of them uh, cluster together and feel so wonderful. They are just so happy to be reunited. And then uh, we see, again, uh, Rover and the baby. Uh, why? Because at that moment of being reunited, the mother is stroking the baby, holding the baby with one hand and stroking Rover. And the father is holding the baby with another, his one hand and stroking Rover. So that the animal is entirely integrated into their world. We are, we start out with an image of domesticity, baby and dog. We end with an image of domesticity, baby and dog. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I notice in, yeah, I noticed that, that, the dog is wagging his tail. That's one of the communications that happens in this silent film, again, with no title cards. Um, this is, uh, I didn't realize this is the story of Lassie, right? This is this is Lassie's whole Absolutely. <laughs> deal. Absolutely. Lassie is a ripoff of Rescued by Rover, um, down to the fact that uh, the dog is even a collie. Yep. And... Um, uh, you know, it's the classic plot of of every Lassie episode where what what is it, boy? Timmy fell down the well. Bark, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. bark! <laughs> Show me exactly where he is. Which well? <laughs> and they run off and they do this. There's a Canadian version of this too. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I I think it's even better than uh, Lassie. It's called The Littlest Hobo. Um, Littlest Hobo is the same. Uh, premise is Lassie, except unlike uh, Lassie, who has a home and lives, uh, uh, you know, with a family and has adventures and uh, keeps finding the the various me family members who've gotten into trouble. The littlest hobo is uh, a rover. <laughs> Literally, he doesn't have a home. He has no master. He finds people 
in the countryside on the road and they're in trouble and he helps them. And it, we get the sense that every person he meets uh, is a um, has to sort of understand, oh, this dog is trying to communicate something to me. But it's not the owner. It isn't a, a home and domesticity story. It's a sort of the lone wanderer sort of story like we get with things like Rambo. You know, like ah, yeah. he's a homeless veteran who doesn't can't stay in one place or Bruce Banner, you know, right. <laughs> the, the incredible hockey. His powers are just too powerful to be stick around and have friends. And so this variation on a on a on an established theme is so rare to see uh, such a clear origin for it in, in this 1905 film. I think it's, it's valuable to, uh, to look at the way the variations work uh, to understand Mm. the fundamental power of this, this small film. Um, One of the things that's important about comparing the domesticity of Rover's uh, situation with that of the littlest hobo, is to recognize that the littlest hobo will meet anybody, right? I mean, he's completely democratic. Any anybody he meets, that he'll he might help. Yep. But Rover, uh, in fact, is engaged in class issues. Mm-hmm. Right. The 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 parents. Uh, are well-to-do when we first see the father. Why hadn't we seen him before? Well, perhaps because he was at the office or out doing business. The mother, who appears to be so distressed at the report that her baby is missing, wouldn't have known the baby was missing if she hadn't trusted someone else to be caring for the baby. The other people, right, the, the servant class, whether they are private servants like the nurse or public servants like the soldier or policemen, if that's what he is, they're not to be trusted. They turn their backs on the carriage, right? So that they're pulling it along. In fact, when the nurse wants to light the soldier's fire, there's <laughs> a kind of metaphoric suggestion that the the eroticism of the lower classes, who after all, in 1905 England, they just breed too much. The eroticism of the lower classes is undermining the civilization of the upper classes, the lower class woman is concerned with her sexy life, whereas the mother is concerned with the baby. One wants to have fun. One wants to have babies. Of course, the upper class people want to have babies and have other people care for them. But Rover is fully on the side of the upper class. So when he crosses to the wrong side of the tracks, sorry, wrong side of the brook, we see him go down that lane where he opens each door, and the only thing we see on that lane are a couple of men slouching against the wall of the building that has the doors that Rover opens. Uh, the only other person we see in the entire film is the beggar woman. So we have a clear distinction between upper class and lower class. Mm-hmm. Rover is on the side of the upper class, and that scene of domesticity is, well, it's not really upper. It's, it's bourgeois. It's solidly middle-class Victorian. Those are the values. That's where real loyalty is, right? There's the dog. There's real loyalty. And you cannot trust the lower classes, even if they are in your employ. Mm-hmm. By contrast, you just quoted, uh, Jesse, 
what I think is the single most common way of referring to that television show. Lassie is, what is he saying? Timmy's mm. in the well? Yeah, well, he's barking, right? Exactly. Timmy's in the well? Interesting, if Timmy falls into the well, it does not imply that somebody has thrown Timmy into the well. Mm-hmm. When Timmy falls into the well, Timmy has a problem. And Lassie can help him out of it. In this mass medium entertainment, coming well after the norms for mass media have been established, in part by film for the previous half century, when that in that mass medium entertainment, you don't want to send a message that the large mass of people are not to be trusted. Mm. So Timmy is in the well is not really so much about, you know, class differences. When bad people are around in the Lassie series, they are people who are not rooted to the grounds, to the mm-hmm. ground, right? Because Lassie and Timmy and the family, they're in a house. They're on a farm. They are part of the earth. They are part of the system that keeps us all functioning. And it's the wanderers who may turn out, the, the rootless people who are not part of the community, but not inherently low class. That's something that we see in the early, early British version that we're talking mm-hmm. about today. You know, I, I, when I first watched this film, I didn't realize that the nurse was the nurse. I thought it was the mom. And I thought that the mom was the like the grandmother or something, right? Uh-huh. And, that the, and that the soldier was her boyfriend, <laughs> the mom's boyfriend. And that the the husband was her actual husband, and <laughs> because there's no title cards and everything's so grainy, you can't really tell how old anybody is. There's an older woman who's who's when she returns home with the empty carriage, the empty baby carriage, she consoles her. Um, <laughs> to me, she shouldn't be consoling her. She should be screaming at her, right? You lost my baby. Absolutely. Right? And she's, she, we know she's bad because she, it, uh, it's not hundred percent clear if she herself is smoking or if she's just lit, uh, his cigar and our cigarette and they, they're wandering off together, but the smoke is passing between them. Yes. And as is the heat. As is the heat. Uh, in addition to the smoking in this film, we've also got the other evil woman. The she's essentially a witch, right? Uh, the rag-covered woman who steals a baby out of spite, it seems, um, throwing up her arm in like a "I'll get you, my pretty" sort of <laughs> way. Um, she does that several times throughout the film. Um, she she's essentially a witch. Uh, she's got her evil brew that she keeps, uh, she, you know, we're shown to see her drinking from it continuously and whenever it's in the room. Right. Uh, it's like, um, (laughs) the, the, the message is, is not as well understood if you, if you don't, oh, okay, this is the, the nurse and that's her, the nurse's boyfriend, some handsome soldier. Ah, and that's why she's not really paying attention to the fact that the baby carriage doesn't weigh as much as it did a minute ago when she starts pulling on it. Right? She's busy uh, making woo. So you're suggesting that there is a a perfectly plausible first reading 
that is revised either by retrospection or mm-hmm. by a second reading. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, when you, by the time you get to the end of your first reading, do you wind up doing that retrospective rereading or does it require a second reading of the whole film, seeing it a second think- time? I think um, by the end, you're starting to realize, okay, wait, this lady who's the grandmother is actually not the grandmother. She's the mother because she's now, uh, you know, bouncing the baby on her knee with the husband and the dog and the hands on both the dog and the baby. So the fact that the nurse was a nurse is this is where, you know, like um, the the limits of the the technical stuff sort of interferes with the telling of the story i couldn't tell how old the mother was Ah. just by looking at the film i couldn't tell how old the the nurse was or that she was a nurse just by looking at the film and i think also it's cultural right having uh being in a society where nurses and um uh such you know don't take my baby out for a walk because i'm too busy at home yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that that's what I, like if I see a lady pushing a cart down the street, I don't think that's a nurse. But uh, well, you haven't walked down, uh, walked in Central Park in New York. Recently. <laughs> that's right. If you if you uh, if you go to the, the rich business uh, centers of the world, you will see. And London was such. Um, you will see that as fairly common. We also have dog walkers <laughs> when it comes down to it. Right. Right. People too busy to take care of their dog and take their dog for a walk and take their baby for a walk. Um, at, the risk of dogs- seem, at the risk of seeming cruel, if something bad were to happen to my dog, um, I don't think it would have the same effect on me as something bad happening to my child. That's because you have a child, but if you only have a dog. Well, yeah, no, I hear you. I said at the risk of it. I, I do understand. But I have lost dogs, and thank heavens I have not lost any of my children. Um, I should say either of my children. Um, and so you're, you're raising a, a difficult problem of interpretation. Should we think, and you touched on this before, should we think that the mother, now that we realize it's the mother, um, sharing the frenzy and the grief and in a sense trying to to calm the nurse, which would make sense, you know, exactly what happened, you know, so you want information from her. Would, right. would, would that calm reaction rather than outrage, fear, anger, shrieking, right? Um, is portraying the mother that way a critique of the mother? Or is it a, a demonstration of the entitlement of the bourgeois Victorian? Yeah, is this I satire there that. or not? I don't think I think this is pretty straight up. The it, it, the the closest it comes to it is in retrospect, thinking thinking you know uh, we're in a post-ironic age, right? I don't think that this is a uh, d- done for irony. Although you know, with the nurse being so uh, uh, hippie with the man, yeah, right. Uh, they're walking on arm in arm. How, do they know each other? Is this like a first encounter? Oh, it's not uh, even arm in arm. Their arms are around no, each other's waists. They're pulling exactly. each other quite close they're together. They're, they're right. They're right. So if if they are, uh, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, I meet you every day on my walk. That's a different story. Um, but he never reappears, that soldier. No, but that notion that I meet you every day on my walk, that may explain 
from a narrative viewpoint rather than a uh, than a practical viewpoint in terms of the praxis of the of the film why it is that the nurse is pulling the carriage because but notice, she, she notice. wants the soldier to be able to see her with her slim well cinched figure approaching him yeah this is not an accident that they're meeting there Notice, though, also fact, she's brought right. matches with her. And as you say, she probably isn't smoking. So she has come prepared to light his fire. <laughs> well, but notice she also like she shows up at the house. The baby's missing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but where's the soldier? If he's not a policeman. And if he is a policeman, that's even worse. But if he's not a policeman, if he is a soldier and he, he does look like a soldier, I would I would say. Um Shouldn't he be like uh, there helping out his his girlfriend? Oh, no, 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 no. Of course not. She's not supposed to have a girlfriend, uh, have a boyfriend. Right. She's right. supposed to be pristine. She's supposed to be clean. She's dressed all in white, the same way the mother is. She's supposed to be right. immaculate. The beggar woman is dressed in very dark gray rags. The mm -hmm. contrast between the immaculate virginal nursemaid and the beggar woman is supposed to be clear. And I would think if I were that nurse, I would be coming back and saying, oh, madam, oh, madam, I just parked the carriage for a moment while I stepped behind a tree to blah, 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 blah. And when I came out, Telling the story. baby was gone. If she right. shows up with a boy, she's not only made a heck of an error. She's done something that violates all expectations. She will. She doesn't even know where the baby is. Right. That's exactly. the that's right, because the baby was stolen. But if she was stolen because she was dallying with a guy, oh, my gosh, that would be terrible. Yeah. So there is a critique. There is a critique that's unstated and that is that the the gallantly dressed uh, soldier dressed in his you know dress uniform. Uh, not so gallant. <laughs> he, he disappears. Either he he didn't notice or didn't care that the baby is missing and didn't think, you know, gee, I'll let me retrace her steps. No, if, if this were, as I said, public or private, you can't trust the servant class. Right. That's part of what the movie is saying. But l let me point out this, uh, this uh, really funny thing happens when Rover is leading dad, the father, um, down the two streets before they get to the brook where the father will row across. But, Rover will still swim nonetheless, even though he could get into the boat with the father, but he doesn't. Mm -hmm. he, he swims across the brook. Um, when the father is running down the street before he gets to the brook, um, mm -hmm. at w one point he takes off his top hat. It's amazing mm -hmm. to me that he, I mean, he He's was not wearing top. a top hat when Rover got him to come away. So he must have stopped on the way to save his child to put on a top hat. And as he's running down the street in the bright sunlight, he takes the top hat off to wipe his brow and then mm -hmm. puts the top hat on to continue the chase. Now, it's not hard in our era in the 21st century to suggest that that was meant to be ironic. Mm. Right. I mean, really? You're going to do it? On the other hand. From the 21st century, it's not hard to look at these people and think, you dress like that? Really? So I'm wondering, how do we know um, what in 1905 would have been a deep reading of this work? I think it's clear 
that there is a critique of the lower classes in this work. What's not clear to me is whether or not there's also a critique of the bourgeoisie for outsourcing their child care, for being too concerned with appearance uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there is something, uh, one of the extraordinary things that the, the, I'm calling her the witch, she's not a witch, <laughs> but the, 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 I'll get you my pretty, I'll get revenge for you not giving me whatever, um, is that all those clothes, those layers and layers of clothes she takes off the baby. Yes. It's not clear why she's doing that other than just to like feather her nest. She has a big pile of clothes already there that she like adds to from the baby's clothes. They grab the baby, run off. The baby doesn't have as many layers of clothes. Um, clothing was very expensive uh, back in the old day. Today, it's one of the cheapest things there are commodities around. Right. Clothing was beginning to become less expensive, but clothes were also, you know, that, that hat, right? That is a symbol, but it's also, it's a uniform, Right. It it tells you wandering down the street, your class is advertised. Right. That, yes. The thing that Sherlock Holmes does is is a lot harder to do today um, unless you're in very specific ritualized um, environments. It's very hard to tell what somebody does for a living by looking at their clothes. Uh, certainly some companies still require uniforms, um, you know, certain uh you know, big downtown tall building businesses have uniforms too. They don't they don't write out the uniforms. They say you know tie, skirt, whatever it is. But uh, the fact that he has to he has to put on that top hat and chase run down the street chasing after his baby. If this film was remade today, a lot of things would be different. And I don't think the criticism of the underclass would be the way it is. I uh, it. It's almost it's so simple that we will read more into it than than they put into it. But in our reading of it, we're reading things that are actually there. They don't consciously put it in. I don't think I think that he, when he's running down the street with a top hat, taking his hat off to wipe his forehead, um, he is a character. So he's wearing that top hat. Um, but the fact that he has he's running with a top hat Today, you know, Tom Cruise never wears hats in movies. <laughs> you know, it's, I, it just, it's just a, it's a, a phenomenon that go, that's gone. And the uh, the extras in the background, there's a baby uh, with a mother sort of banging on a door trying to get in as the the father runs down the sidewalk by her. It's uh, Which it, contrasts with his family. Absolutely. His, right. But that must be – I mean I, I – to some extent, one must read the external of any work of art in order to, to try to get a sense of what expectations were that the, its producer might have had of his or her audience. In other ways, it's a little dangerous to try to impose our understanding of the externals. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm not firm on what inferences to draw, but I think it is worth knowing. You can't know this from watching the oh, film, sure. but it's worth knowing that the co-director is Hempworth himself, Hepworth himself. He is also plays the father. Uh, he also painted some of the scenery. And so when he takes off that hat as co-director and decides to keep that shot in, um, he's making 
an artistic choice. Whether or not he's conscious of all of his motives behind it, we don't know. But mm -hmm. the mother, that is the the, act, the actress who plays the mother, is in fact Mrs. Hepworth. And the baby is in fact their daughter. Mm -hmm. And their dog, whose name historically is Blair, they've renamed their dog Rover. So that picture of wonderful domesticity with which the film begins, that quick two seconds of Rover sitting behind and around protectively, um, uh, little Margaret, um, and, or Barbara, uh, sorry, Margaret's the mother, I guess, um, sitting behind uh, the baby, and that end shot of the four of them all embracing with Rover in the foreground wagging its tail, that's their family. Whether he's, whether they're making a fairy tale collaboratively, the mother writing the script and the father directing the film, and then she being the mother and he being the father, whether they're writing a fairy tale collaboratively uh, or not, they have produced a domestic product like a baby, like a dog, like a home. And the question arises, are we just saying, aha, they know how to make a little fun of themselves? Do they not expect it to be made fun of? Is it unconscious or conscious? I wonder in this age of what was then very new technology, which is just for the last two or three years being turned to the purposes of narrative, if the Hepworths were thinking we're involved in something new and they have gained enough distance to look back on their own lives. If that's true, it really is a remarkable artistic achievement. I, I agree. Um, one, one of the things you left out of that, that very beautiful view of the family is the dog. The dog is such a central figure. It, it is, um, it's a mother, a father, a, a child, and the pet the dog and when that final shot comes with the mother and the father and the baby and the dog they're all hugging each other essentially yes uh, the dog is wagging his tail um, and that was really hepworth's dog too right the blair was their family dog um one other thing that uh, should inform our discussions is in the notes which are very good on this on Wikipedia. Um, it says that the first movie was so successful that Hepworth had to reshoot the entire film twice as the two first negatives wore out <laughs> in eating the demand for prints. So uh, who knows if uh, in the script uh, it says, you know, take off top hat, uh, wipe forehead, but, in the first time doing it, and the second time doing it, and then the third time doing it, it's uh, or at least the first time you know shot, and the second time shot, and presumably in the writing, there's going to be some evolution. Some uh, yes, this is really working, and you can see how the elements of this that work so well will dis regardless of what we know about the motivations they are universally interesting and that's why we get lassie that's why lassie and and the other fascinating thing about this is uh like um like some other famous names rover became popular because of a uh, work of art this one rover as a name for a dog became popular because of this this movie rescued by rover uh, well 
I like your insight very much that in one sense, Rover occupies each of the three human roles in this movie and then something else besides. Um, he really does understand the human world and the, the natural world and can can cross from one world to the other as he crosses from the upper class to the lower class. Who is rescued by Rover isn't the baby. It is, after all, the father who takes Rover, who takes the baby out of the attic of the beggar woman. Right. Who what is rescued by Rover is the entire family. Mm. But there's always more to say. <laughs>